Well, hi, everybody. Welcome into a special bonus edition of Unanchored Boston. I'm Mike Lynch, along with, we're thrilled to have Karen Garrigan of the Boston Herald with us. And we have the masked participant here on an iPhone. Let's see if you can guess who the person is. A hand in the air, maybe you'll recognize the voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we all know what it is. The great Bob Lobel is, uh, he, he's iPhone on our screen right here. Karen, um, you know, what, what a day. Um, we thought we saw this day a year ago. And mm. here it is. Tom says this time it's official. Uh, you've known Tom for a long, long time. What's the first thing that came to mind when this, this thing finally officially ended? Well, at first, I'm like, really? You know, I thought it was a joke at first. <laughs> I didn't I didn't see his video. I just got a, a, a text that said, Brady retires, Brady retires. And, uh, of course, that happened last year and didn't last very long. Same day, February 1st. Right. And, and then I'm thinking, after I saw it, I was like, oh, darn, I wrote all my best stuff last year. What am I going to write now? <laughs> what am I going to do now? Um, but um, knowing him a little bit, uh, I think I think he was, tr you know, somewhat true to his word of, you know, not not wanting to, quote unquote, suck uh, before he went out. And I think the cracks were starting to show a little bit. Uh, I think he could still play. I think he could still win in the right situation. But finding that situation was getting more and more difficult. And, you know, in the end, I, you know, I think family concerns actually are a concern uh, now that he's getting divorced from his wife and, you know, being around or near where his kids are is very important to him. Well, we you, know, he, he, you know, he couldn't make his freshman high school football team that he was, he never got to play in a game in his freshman high school football team. I'm not sure how far this guy has come for his whole career. Yeah. Uh, he, he has, I mean, he owns the record book. He owns the Super Bowl, having won seven, six with the Patriots. Uh, I know people are, are in a rush to put Patrick Mahomes on that same platform and mantle. Uh, and while Mahomes is certainly great, you know, talk to me in five or 10 years. Uh, I mean, Tom had four championships in his first five years. Uh, Mahomes has one. So it's it's going to be somebody quite rare, you know, to hit the Brady pinnacle, I think. You know, Lindsay, what, Lindsay, what do you think made him so good? Uh, you know, I have my own theories, but I really am interested to hear what you and Karen, you know, it's hard to say, okay, why is he considered the greatest of all time? And why has he had so much success what is it about him that has created that i think that uh he has this um ability like bird did to make all those around him play at a higher level uh it, it it's an intangible it, it's like you know it, it and you you can feel it but you can't define it and 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 think of all the guys that play with him 
and then went to another team and fell off the face of the earth. Um, David Patton, uh, David Gibbons, um, you know, Danny Amendola. Um, you know, when, when they, when they, all of a sudden they came here, they were the greatest wide receivers, greatest slot receivers of all time. When they went to another team, they were just another player, just another guy. And he just had that ability, whether it was them trying not, not wanting to disappoint Tom or them just wanting to play to the level that Tom expected every single, every single day and every single game. I don't know, but, but he certainly was one of those rare guys that made everybody around them a better player. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with that, uh, Mike, but I'd also add, um, you know, it might sound trite to say he was a winner, but he had a clutch gene like no other. Yeah. And, you know, in, the bigger the game, the better he was, the bigger the game, the more he would, he, you know, he always seemed to deliver in the biggest moments of games and again that's something else that you you know you can't teach either you have it or you don't and I think you know the chip on his shoulder maybe from not making the high school team from being sixth taken in the sixth round of the draft he was always motivated to to prove people you know, wrong. And that motivation lasted over 20 years. Um, but as I said, I think it was it was that clutch, clutchness, that ability, that refusing to lose um, that, you know, not only had him, but it, he spread that around. Uh, and I, I, I think that's one of the, the great things about him. I guess Belichick can take credit for deciding that Brady was a starter over Bledsoe in mm-hmm. a, early in Brady's career. But what else can Belichick take credit for throughout that run? Defense. The defense. <laughs> Honest to Good. goodness. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he made all the other parts work, basically. Uh, and, you know, they were well coached. Uh, but obviously, with no Brady, I'm not who knows how many titles if they get any titles during the past 20 years. You know, um, I, I can remember uh, his first year. His uh, I saw the flip uh, the uh, depth chart of the flip card somewhere in, in one of my notebooks. But he wasn't even on the sidelines on the uh, last home game against I think it was the Buffalo Bills in December of, of uh, 2000. And um, then they came to training camp the next year. And, um, you know, I, I did the, the preseason games, which meant I got to sit on the production meeting. And Don Crickey was the play-by-play guy. And he, his first question, you know, for the first preseason game to, to Bill Belichick was, Bill, who's impressed you the most in this training camp? Tom Brady. Every answer was Tom Brady. Who's <laughs> made the biggest strides? Tom Brady. Who made it? And, and and now we're all we're all you know scrambling. I'm looking through my notebook, looking for that depth chart, and say, wait a minute, he was fourth string last year, last December, and all of a sudden now he's the most improved, the most special, the most blah blah blah, and the guy you blah blah blah. And I kind of always had the feeling that if if Mo Lewis didn't come around 
and knocked Brady out in that game in September of 2001, that it wouldn't have taken many losses after that for him to maybe make a switch at quarterback. I, I could be wrong, but I, I, I had a hunch that, that he saw something in Brady and, you know, he's with him every day. He listens to him. He, he answers the right, he has the right answers to all Bill's questions and he does things that Bill expects. And we all know now how Bill really felt about, about uh, uh, Bledsoe. And I think it was, just a matter of time. I think Mo, Mo Lewis accelerated the advancement of Tom Brady. I think that's uh, it brings up another question for both of you. And the fact that he was able to stay healthy most of the time. I mean, he wasn't, you know, totally healthy all the time throughout his whole career, but he spent an inordinate amount of time playing as opposed to most of these guys today that spent an inordinate amount of time in the blue tent. He's, he is able to stay away from serious injury that kept him out for any length of time. Plus, he was able, these are just the tangible things. I don't know why he was able to do that, uh, what it was about his, you know, his movements on the field, but he also was able to control the tempo of the game perhaps better than anybody other than Montana. I don't. I don't know. It just seemed to be an, an innate sense of timing and an innate sense of staying healthy. Yeah, I, you know, I would agree with that. He only really truly missed that one season where uh, he tore his ACL, but he played, he played, played with, you know, busted ribs. He played with, partially separated shoulders. These things I know he played with a broken foot. He, you know, he was, you know, he was going to be out there uh, if there was any possible way uh, for him to play. And we also saw, you know, he had like an 11 stitch gash in his thumb. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he was a pretty tough customer. Uh yeah. And, and, you know, nowadays everyone, you see quarterbacks wanting to kind of protect themselves or, you know, also protect themselves for the big contract. But Brady just played and played and played and played. And, um, you know, he, I don't know if it's quite a misnomer to say he took less to be here, but he he made his contract so that they could spend money elsewhere. Uh, so, you know, he was, you know, singularly focused on winning. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Karen. Um, you know, and, and, and don't forget that one of those games in Pittsburgh, we had a temperature in the in the hundreds. That's right. Yeah. Night before the game, they were in a ballroom, uh, walking, uh, walking through plays. And here's Tom, where most people would be, you know, have IVs sticking out of their arms and, you know, ice packs on their forehead or on their body to bring the body temperature down. And, and you know, anybody that's ever had a fever knows you feel like crap. And he goes out and wins the AFC championship game with like that. Yeah. No, no problem. He's <laughs> <laughs> a cake. Yeah. You know, one thing that I think we, we all agree on is that despite the acceleration of fame and fortune, he pretty much is the same guy that walked into 
Foxborough in, in the year 2000 as the six-round draft pick. I mean, he's still a pretty polite, humble guy. And I think that that's he, he, he's a direct product of his parents. It's good parenting with Tom Brady. You know, I mean, I'm sure if he saw any one of the three of us today on the street, he'd stop and talk. He'd say, hey, Karen, how you doing? What's going on? You know, what's going on? You know, how are the Celtics and Bruins doing this winter? I haven't been paying attention. How are they doing? How are you doing with the, with the, with the paper? How are you feeling, Karen? Right? Am I wrong? I don't, I don't think you're wrong. Uh, I think to, post New England, he became a little bit or has become a little bit overexposed. Yeah. You know, with all his movies and docu-series and, and selling of whatever, uh, all of his TB12 products, his nightwear, is this wear, is that wear. I, I think his movies, I think people people got a kind of little sick of seeing Tom Brady's mug, but has he changed as a person? I think you're right. I think if he bumped into us in the street, he would be he would happily walk right over and say hello. Yeah. Well, he says a product of his parents. I agree, Michael, so much about that. And uh I I there's some things you just don't forget, and I don't think he ever forget forgot where he came from, or as Karen said, you know, not being able to play as a in high school as a freshman, you know, how difficult the the journey has been for him. Uh he just doesn't seem to have ever taken that for granted. Overexposed, totally. I mean, 80 for Brady. I mean, the movie was premiered last night in L.A., which led some people to wonder where this announcement was taped this morning. But the point, that's not the point. The point is that you're right. He's He became a pretty good self-marketer. No question about it. Nothing wrong with that. But he learned oh. how to do that. He learned how to do it and do it well. No, but whenever seen, whenever he was on the podium with Jim Nance after a, a, a Super Bowl win, there was no any screaming, any yelling. It never. He always deflected the attention and always put it on somebody else—a receiver, an offensive line, um, a teammate. And I remember, remember when he first started in his career, he, he wouldn't come to the auditorium and to the press. He always wanted to do his interviews in front of his locker. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he felt that that made him special and, and, and different from the rest of his teammates. And he was really uncomfortable with that. Yeah. Well, I think um, getting back to Bill Belichick, you know, he, of course, you know, really espouses team and nobody, nobody can be bigger than the team. And I think Brady understood that. Uh, while he, he understood it to the point where he would kind of let Belichick tongue lash him every day uh, in meetings and allow Belichick to kind of make him an example because the impact it had on the rest of the team, you know, from the next best guy to the last best guy. If, 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 Belichick is cussing out Tom Brady, you know, that says something. And I, and I think that allowed Belichick to kind of keep everybody in line and, and, and Brady understood it. He didn't like it, but you know, he went along because he knew that that was what was best for the, for the overall good. Yeah. 
But I thought it was, I always thought it was fascinating that both of those guys, Belichick and Brady, both of their fathers were coaches mm. and had a lot to do with their own knowledge, not only of the game, but all everything surrounds the game. Karen just brought up the fact that if, if you're the head coach, you can pick on the best player. Yeah. You know, you're expected to be you know, to be a democracy or whatever. Uh, and both of their fathers were coaches. And it, and, it, and it really, to me, has always kind of been fascinating how different they are, but at the same time, how similar they are in their, you know, attitudes and approach to the game. I mean, if, if, if those, if you had to say, okay, let's, it's over now. One of them's retired and the other one can't be far from retiring. Belichick versus Brady. There's no doubt that the most, Great coaches have always had a great quarterback at their side. You know, you just go right down the list through history, and I'm not going to do that, but you can do it yourself. Am I wrong? Most of the most successful coaches have had great quarterbacks throughout their career. True. Very true. Very true. Um, you know, I, I was just thinking about what, what a great guy Tom is, and I know I've told the story before in this podcast, but my daughter did a um, – one of my daughters did a semester in Florence, Italy. And my phone rang one Sunday morning at about six o'clock in the morning. I didn't realize it was noon over there. And, um, I, and she says, dad, dad, you're not gonna believe what just happened. I said, well, what happened? She said, I'm with a couple of, uh, four or five girls. We're in a cafe having some coffee. And we see this guy across the street in a Red Sox hat walking with this woman. And apparently that's when Tom first started dating Giselle. It was probably 2008. And um, so she, my daughter, Molly, runs out to the street and yells, Tom, Tom. And Giselle grabbed Tom's hand and they sprinted away. They thought it, they were people were just going to, a bunch of young girls trying to harass them. <laughs> and my daughter yells out in her, her manner, I'm Mike Lynch's daughter. And Tom <laughs> stopped, turned around and said, really? And he walked back holding Giselle's hand reluctantly. And says, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm doing a semester. Okay, this is, you know, this is Karen. This is Molly. This is Cindy. This is blah, 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 blah. What are you majoring? What are you majoring? What are you majoring? What are you majoring? We all go to Boston College. So some of us go to Gonzaga, blah, 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 blah. And um, I just thought that was, I mean, he didn't have to do something like that. And that, right. that's, who, that's who Tom is. We're getting back to this parenting thing. And you talk about, you know, both the, the dad being a coach and, um, you know, I, that just always stuck with me. And, you know, at the end of it, my, my daughter said, Tom, I hate to do this to you, but Giselle, can I have your autograph? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dad's never getting another interview again. When they, last time I saw him, he said, nope. He says, you're shut off from now. He says, go ask somebody else for an autograph. <laughs> Funny. Hmm. Well, it's a, I don't know how New England would take this day of the retirement, I guess, just because we've been through it twice. And it, I don't know. Does he feel like well, is there a statue uh, to be erected at uh, Gillette? It's got to be one, right? Every other team's got their statues. There's mm -hmm. one guy that deserves one at Gillette, whether he's in their stupid Hall of Fame or not. That's another story. But that, <laughs> as Mike knows, Karen, I'm not a big fan of the way the Patriots run their Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. But I, anyway, I, what's I, that? Just to that point, I think uh, Robert Kraft said, last year or the year before that he had hoped 
to make it so that Tom would retire a patriot, you know, whether you have that ceremonial one day, whatever it is. Um, uh-huh. I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but Kraft did bring it up a couple of years ago. I think there's going to be a lot of public pressure on Robert to do that. And, you know, Robert likes to please the public. And um, I think he may cave on this one. Uh, I don't know if Tom will, yeah, Tom will probably go along with it, but I, I don't think Tom really cares one way or another if they do that. I don't think it's that important to him. Mm. Okay, yeah. let's take the other. You know, this organization is filled with personalities that are prickly in many ways. There are guys that would not come, maybe Parcells wouldn't come back for some kind of an event, or maybe he would, I don't know. Belichick, same thing. Uh, it's always interesting, the relationship between some of these guys and the uh, and the ownership and, the, you know, how how they left and whether they'd come back. And it, it's kind of just a strange, strange way of doing business. But that's their way. And it has been, at least up until now, successful. Mm. Well, uh, Tom did go to Robert Kraft's wedding last year Good and point. he actually skipped out on uh, a day of practice or a walkthrough. Uh, and then they what did you the make event, of that, Aaron? What did you make they, of that? They lost of they lost that game. Um, yeah, Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh. Um, I I was kind of fascinated by it. Um, I think I think a lot of uh, fences were mended when Tom came and played here uh, a couple years ago, two years. Uh-huh. And especially with him and Belichick. Um, and, you know, I think he and Robert have come to some kind of understanding about what went down. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I just think that they've, they were at a place where it was just enough is enough. And uh, I think it was a, an interesting sign that, 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 Brady showed up at, at Robert's wedding. Let me ask you guys this. And we talk about all this went down and all this, with all the success, all the accolades, all the trophies, all the money, and yet they still couldn't all get along? Why, why the animosity? Why the angst? What, what was the problem with having to say and describe it as what went down. And I know exactly what you're saying, Ken. What went down is kind of like the slang for this is the way it was. But how is that possible when you have all, when you have an abundance of wealth and, and riches and everybody that made it that way is in the same room, basically? Well, if I would jump in, I think you have a case of three powerful men and i'll include brady in that mix and you know i think bill had come to a point where again he's looking at brady's age and saying i'm not gonna sign you to a three-year four-year deal that you want we're gonna take it year by year because again no one had ever played like Brady at 39, at 40, at 41. And 
Belichick didn't think it was wise to spend on a, a quarterback who was over 40. Brady, on the other hand, wins a Super Bowl in 2018. And he's like, well, what else do I have to show you? What else do I have to do? And I think Robert was caught in a rock between a rock and a hard place. Um, and ultimately, I I think going back to Jimmy Garoppolo, um, he tacitly put his foot down there. And when this second time came around, I think he knew he would lose Belichick. And again, if you're an owner, who, you know, who are you going to want long-term the head coach or the 40 plus year old quarterback? So he gave Brady an out by not, you know, by agreeing to not franchise him and the divorce happened because Brady did not feel wanted by the coach. It's that simple. Right. Right on the head, Karen. Perfect. Exactly. How interesting! Uh, what a what a study in, in personalities and uh, and priorities. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, Belichick doesn't have an emotional bone in his body, so you know. <laughs> we always, so, we always to joke he would he would cut his mother uh, if if thought of if course. he would win another game. That, that's yeah. the way the way Bill is. He he get he, before you walk into that 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 building every day, you got to rip your heart out and leave it on the front seat of your car and uh, and then proceed inside the building. Yeah. I, I just think it wore on Brady. He got tired of it. And he always had people talking in his ears and saying, you'll do better, you know, leave. You know, he doesn't want you. Leave. Why are you staying in a place where you're not wanted by the head coach? So Amazing. And... There's one more part of that equation. You know, I think when Brady started hitting closer to 40 or or getting to that stage, I think he also realized his limitations a little bit. And again, it's not that he wasn't still a capable quarterback, but I think around that time, I think he realized that he couldn't himself will these wins he couldn't you know make the whole cast around him better like as he was asked to do constantly in new england and it became obvious to him that even though he he said look bill i we can still win i can win give me some weapons give me some players and bill just <laughs> just <laughs> didn't do that so Brady's saying to himself, well, I can spend my last four or five years here taking less money, going year to year, and have to try to uplift talent that's not, we're not going to win. He so desperately wanted to win, he thought his best avenue was outside of New England. And guess what? He was right. He's right. Won the Super Bowl. And it should have been in another one if it wasn't that the safety didn't make a bonehead play against the Rams. Right. They might have been in another yeah. one. They might have been in another one. Um, it's not, we're, we're, we're not a bad thing. 
not a bad thing to have your best player wanting to win. <laughs> I was brought to you by our best foods, uh, our best meatballs, uh, Cold Springs RV, and George Gray's Lexington Toyota. Thank you very much for uh, jumping yeah. on board. Um, we should tell you that the the masked uh, speaker here, on uh, wearing the mask of iPhone, is none other than the great Bob Lobel. And Karen from the Boston uh, Herald is with our, our guest today. Karen, um, one moment, uh, one one thing about Tom Brady, one interaction, one interview, anything stand out above above all the rest? Wow. Uh, well, <laughs> there's quite a few. Although a lot of people say to me, "You're the only person he called by name after in." post-game interviews. <laughs> and I, I, my answer to that was because I was the oldest and he was showing respect <laughs> to the old lady in the crowd. Uh, but <laughs> I also covered him from cover to cover, you know, from the second he walked in that first year, I covered every single minute of his Patriot existence. And, you know, time wears on. A lot of people go leave your teammates leave a lot of writers leave and i was one face that was still there day after day after day after day um but anyway it it, it was always nice that he would refer to me by name during the post game interviews yeah okay just on that very same subject while he was nice and referred to you by name in those post game interviews what he did to everybody else in this room was tragic. He he treated everybody else like, you know, dirt. Really. Oh, basically. Oh. No, you are you talking about Tom or Belichick? No, Belichick. No, we oh. were talking about Tom. Talking about Tom. Tom. Oh, yeah. okay. That's what happens <laughs> when I'm on my cell phone. Okay, I got it. <laughs> no, mask. I was talking. No, no, I wasn't talking about Tom. I'm talking. I was talking about Bill and his oh, press conference. Yeah. Oh yeah, Bill doesn't call me my name. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I yeah, I didn't know what I missed. I just. <laughs> what is it with him in those press conferences, Karen? Because you're in, in there all the time. And when do you decide to ask a question and to not ask a question? I mean, it's got to be, based upon your expectations of some kind of a grouchy answer. Right. Well, if it's important enough, I'm going to ask. And if he gives me a grouchy answer, he gives me a grouchy answer. But that's not going to stop me from asking. I love because, you. I think because, because ultimately, that's what he wants. He'd like to stand in a room and have nobody ask a question and leave in one second. So <laughs> so I, re I refuse to give in to that. <laughs> Good for you, Karen. Yeah. You. Thank, you know, you did a great job today, Karen. Thank you so much. Anytime, guys. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, Lynch. We just, um, I know the Red Sox truck leaves Friday, so I, we could probably avoid talking about that, huh? No, we, we're going to leave this all, Tom. Uh, Good. Uh, and, one, and one thing about, about the Patriots and Brady, we, we all went through this. You couldn't make any any plans to do anything. You couldn't take, have a speaking engagement. You couldn't go to, you couldn't, you know, my poor uh, late dad, his birthday was January 30th. And I can't tell you how many birthdays I missed because we were at a Super Bowl or at an AFC championship someplace. And, uh, you know, as long as Tom was around there from July 28th until Feb first Sunday in February and then the potential parade, you had to block out. 
you just you didn't have time to go anyplace, do anything because you had to be you had to be on duty, had to be on call, had to be here. And uh, he made it fun. I mean, it, it, there never was a day where with Tom Brady when he said, "What what are we what are we going to put on our sports cast today? What what call am I going to write today?" There was always something that was there. I'll jump in. I'll jump in too and say it. It was always fun to to be at games, and even if they got behind by who knows how much, right. you always knew they had a chance. Yeah, and I, and his legend grew so much that there was actual an impact on the other teams. Like the other teams never thought they could score enough. And they were always hesitant, you know, in, in saying, well, Tom's on the other sideline. I mean, that was a tangible effect and impact. You saw it with the Falcons in the Super Bowl. They're up 28-3. And the second they the Patriots started moving the ball, they got nervous. And then they started doing crazy things <laughs> that, that fed into the comeback. But it's like the Brady effect. Pete Carroll throwing the ball on the one yard line. Yes. He was thinking about Brady. He was thinking about Brady. How much time is he going to leave on the clock? Because Brady's still there. Yep. I've never seen an athlete quite like that in football impact games when it oh. actually came to the other team. Yep. Absolutely. Remember Jacksonville? They had that game won. The, um, uh, the AFC championship game and they started going into a shell and handing the ball off. And they had all of a sudden every, every drive, they were faced with a third and long because they were afraid that the, the Brady factor got in their head. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, it was, it was incredible, amazing and, and, and fun to watch. And John the other Harbaugh. part of it is John his own, yeah, his own teammates believed it too. Yeah. That, you know, Maybe that was a bad thing. Oh, we can get down by whatever and Tom will bring us back. But <laughs> but you know what? When Julian Edelman was saying we're going to do this, they all believed because yeah. number 12 was was under center. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Okay, compare them all, you know, the inevitable Mount Rushmore conversations, Russell, Brady, or Ted Williams. Is it impossible to even pick one over the others? That's that's pretty good. Pretty good Mount Rushmore right there. You got uh, you got to put Russell up there. Sorry, Larry, Russell's got to go there. Tom, without question, or without question, and and Ted Williams. Um, and I I'd put that up against uh, any city, any sports city in this country. Uh, it'd be pretty pretty tough to get four people up there better than the four we got. They'll put a statue. Won't they, Karen, down in Foxborough? What's that? They'll put a statue down there, won't they? Of Tom? Yeah. Oh. Maybe after Belichick leaves. <laughs> really? <laughs> How's really? that? Not a great answer. What do you think, Lynchy? Um, well, I'm thinking of the Rocky statue in Philadelphia. I'm like, he's he's as big as Rocky, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> think. And he's real. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, he's got movies. He's got another. He's got a movie coming out too. So, what's the big deal? 
Well, I did a good job, Karen. Thanks. This was great. Karen, do you, I know you got to go. You got another. Uh, yeah, I got another. I got another date, guys. So I okay, got another. All right. Well, well, thank you for spending time with us. And, uh, yeah. you know, Bob and I were fighting over you, but uh, we, we were gl so glad. We, we loved working with you and uh, we love your friendship and we, we still enjoy your writing. And thanks so much for coming on this show. Well, I, it was my absolute pleasure. I'm so thrilled that you were, that you asked and uh, the friendship is for a lifetime. So. Unanchored Boston is a presentation of Unanchored Media, a Burke Advertising LLC company. For show information, visit unanchoredboston.com. Thank you.